I believe that facts matter. And I believe that we all want to live in a world where our relations are governed by truth. One of the most searched terms in 2016 was post-truth because many people believe that we are quickly becoming a post-truth world. As a political scientist at the University of Miami, I study fake news and conspiracy theories. I'd like to talk to you tonight about three problems that my research has identified in our information environment. And then I'd like to close with three solutions, three things that you can do to help stop this slide and to post truth. So the first problem I've identified is conspiracy theories. About 25% of Americans believe that Barack Obama faked his birth certificate to illegally become president. An equal number believe that the George W. Bush administration was behind the attacks of 9-11. About 20% of Americans believe that the government is hiding the true dangers of vaccines from us. These beliefs are dubious, and when they're acted upon, they can become dangerous. The second problem is fake news. One of the great things that the internet has done is that it has democratized journalism. Now, anyone with a computer and an internet connection can be a journalist. And with the advent of social media, anyone can spread their ideas far and wide very quickly. The problem is that some people have abused the internet and have knowingly pushed wrong information. The example right here was from the Ebola scare of a few years ago. This piece of fake news suggested that Africans were catching Ebola, dying, and then rising from the grave as Ebola zombies. Luckily, this turned out not to be true. <laughs> and as it turns out, the zombie right there um, was not a real zombie at all, but rather an extra from a Brad Pitt movie about zombies. The third problem I've identified is that people often reject facts. When provided with authoritative information, social scientists have found that people will often reject correct information in favor of their own wrong beliefs. And sometimes it's even worse than that. Sometimes not only will people reject correct information, but they will double down on their wrong beliefs. So these three problems combine to make a toxic cocktail. So how did we get here? And how can we better understand this? So I'd like to start with a very basic model of opinion formation. So where do our opinions come from? So we can think of it as a piece of new information comes in, and that piece of information is laid over a predisposition that we have that helps us interpret that piece of information. As a political scientist, the most important predisposition I work with is partisanship. So to give you an example of how this works, during the final month of the Obama administration, the final Obama jobs report came out, and it said that unemployment was holding steady at about 4.7%. Democrats looked at that number and said, wow, when Obama entered office, the economy was in free fall. Now unemployment is fairly low. Obama's done a good job. Republicans looked at that same piece of information and said, that number isn't picking up on what's really happening out there. And worse, that number could even be faked. Two very different interpretations from the same piece of information because of the underlying partisanship driving it. So how does this work in reality? Well, the first way is that people tend to follow their leaders. 
Republicans listen to Republican leaders and Democrats listen to Democratic leaders. So when our leaders agree on things, the public will agree on things. But when our leaders diverge, the public will polarize as well. The second way this works is through partisan-motivated reasoning. People like to think of their parties as tribes. And no matter which party you belong to, you like to think of your tribe as upright and virtuous, and the other side is perhaps not so upright and maybe not so virtuous. And perhaps we're all a little bit guilty of this. So let me show you how this works. In 2012, I did two surveys, one immediately before and one immediately after the 2012 presidential election. I asked people, if your candidate doesn't win, will the outcome have been due to fraud? 65% of partisans, equal number of Republican and Democrats, believed that if their candidate didn't win, fraud would have been the cause. We asked this question again after the election, and what we found was that number cut in half. Why? Because only the side that lost believed they had been cheated. To the side that won, everything was hunky-dory. And we find this in the 2016 election too, just the shoe is now on the other foot. But perhaps my favorite example of this <laughs> comes from Herman Cain. Herman Cain ran for the Republican nomination for president in 2012. Prior to that, he had worked as CEO of Godfather's Pizza. During the time that Cain was running for office, it just so happened that his former employer was doing a brand favorability survey. So as people started to associate Herman Cain with both the Republican Party and Godfather's Pizza, what we found was that Republicans started to like Godfather's Pizza more <laughs> and Democrats started to like it less. It's the same pizza though. In 2012, I asked people, who do you think is conspiring against us? And I gave people a list of groups that they could choose from. Re <laughs> Both Republicans and Democrats were happy to offer up the other side as the groups conspiring against us. Republicans believed that liberals and communists were out to get us, and Democrats believed that Republicans and corporations were out to get us. Like mirror images, both sides pointing fingers at each other. So what does this do? Well, some partisans are being pushed further and further apart to the point where they can't even talk to each other now. And it makes perfect sense, because if you believe that the other side is conspiring against you, how could you possibly negotiate with them? And this makes fertile ground for fake news to flourish, because fake news works very well when you can demonize the other side and there's a ready-made audience for it. So why does all this matter? In democracies, people have to make choices. And if people have bad information, they will likely make poor choices. And if majorities make poor choices, then we all suffer the consequences. In South Florida right now, we are facing a Zika crisis. And even though the University of Miami is on the forefront of developing a vaccine, one of the biggest impediments to solving Zika is the conspiracy theories and fake news floating around on social media. Some people believe that Zika is a hoax. Other people believe that it's created by the government or by pharmaceutical companies. I'm here to tell you that Zika is very real and so is microcephaly. Right here in Washington, D.C., just a few months ago, a man walked in to a pizza parlor with a loaded weapon. He was there to investigate a piece of fake news he had heard online. 
Luckily, no one was injured or killed this time. So what can we do to stop fake news and its effects? Well, first, we all need to follow the facts. It's very easy for us to lock ourselves in little intellectual gated communities where we only hear the news that makes us feel good. I want to ask you to do three things. If you're following news sources that are there more to make you feel good than to get you closer to truth, drop some of them. If you find that your news environment doesn't have a lot of hard news sources, add some. And third, try to find out what's true and what's not. Follow the fact checkers. If you see claims that look fantastic, they probably are. So look at PolitiFact or the Washington Post fact checker or Snopes. Second, we need to follow the science. It is very easy to be afraid of vaccines, of nuclear power, of genetically modified food. It's much more difficult to understand the science behind them. I want to challenge you to add science and scientific publications into your news environment. And third, it was very easy during the past election to block people out, whether it was in social media or in our real lives. I want to encourage you to open dialogues with people who you might disagree with. And if you look around and you don't have any friends who disagree with you, I want to suggest that you make some new friends. <laughs> Disagreement leads to learning, and learning leads to growth. So if we do these three things, if we follow the facts, if we seek out the science, and we engage each other in productive dialogue, we are going to be much better prepared to face our global challenges. And we will stop our nation's slide into post-truth. Thank you.